Welcome, Dan Taberski. Thank, Thank you for you. being here. My pleasure. So all of our listeners, of course, most everyone listened to Missing Richard Simmons either before mm. or after our episode. Mm. And I don't really like listing people's resumes because I think it's like you can go on Wiki. But for anyone who doesn't know, right. Dan is an investigative podcaster. He's also a writer, director, producer. So resume, resume, you're fantastic. Surviving Y2K, the line 912, which I'm in the middle of right now. I am engrossed in that because I just want to say that your podcasts are impeccable. They're the research. You have the voice of an angel. I just, Mm. the thing I love that I just want to say and like not embarrass you, but just, you know, compliment you to your face. I love like how humane you are when reporting. Like when I'm listening to you, I feel like I'm listening to like my smartest friend. Oh, I'm so, that's so nice of you to say. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I treat it. I mean, I, I like, I just like I just think it's so, I was talking about this with somebody yesterday. There's something so amazing about the fact that like people even agree to sit down with you and tell you anything anyway. Like they're like, yeah, I'll answer any question you have. And that's like an amazing, like if you just live in that vibe of just like really anything, then you just kind of like, it's just like people will tell you what it's like. People like telling their stories. People love telling their stories and people have great stories. Yeah, 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 totally. And I think that you have this sort of, I don't know if it's intentional, but like this sort of like neutrality when you speak. It's very intentional. That's great because I'm not smart enough to be neutral. I, I'm I'm too I'm too passionate Same. and insane. We're both like you know crazy people. Yeah. But yeah, I just I whizzed through missing Richard Simmons oh, and just Good. your coverage is just amazing. But also just like I feel like you're my friend. Thanks. You know? <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> You've replaced me as her smartest okay. friend in her head, even though you're not her friend at all. I can pretend to be your friend for sure. Thank okay. you. I'm glad to hear that. That's that's where Dan Taberski podcasts go. We go. We listen to them all. We Thank love them. Thank you very They're much. They're so well made. Yeah. yeah. I do want to ask you, I'm obviously we want to, you know, dive into some questions we have about Richard and the podcast in general. Mm. But correct me if I'm wrong, you did documentaries before you did podcasting just kind of like how did that all come about yeah i did tv i was i worked in tv first uh i worked in politics first and then i worked in television for years um i worked at nbc news and then the daily show and then i had my own production company where we would make like comedy shows and game shows and kids shows i had a kids show on for a while and uh super fun uh and it's all it was all sort of unscripted stuff never never like any docu-series but like more like game shows and like usually Mm -hmm. with real people but I tried to shift into documentary around 10 years ago, and I made one doc short, which was great. I, was that cocksucking? Uh, these cocksucking tears, yeah. Yeah. It's about the first gay country music singer uh, who made the mm. first gay country music album in 1973 and then never made another one. And so it was about going back wow. to him and, and trying to figure out why he did it. Was that the name of the album? It was a, a name of one of the songs. In 1973, he was the son of a dairy farmer, and he wrote an album that had songs wow. called crying these cocksucking tears on it that were like oh sort of jokey, but also like seriously about the experience yeah. of being gay and not knowing what to do and yeah. like yeah. not being able to connect with yeah. people because you're guys and nobody, guys can't connect with each other, especially in the 70s. And like, so yeah. it was just, he, he wrote about it really authentically. And so it was a film about him. And then I was trying to do a feature about Richard Simmons. And then that turned into a podcast. Oh, oh, that's oh, okay. That's right. You wanted to do a documentary about yeah, it. Yeah, that's how I met him. I, I, I started taking his class and, and, uh, and I told him the first day that I wanted to make a documentary about him. That's so cool. What he, and, and he was all in? He, no, he said no. But then he sort of like winked, <laughs> uh, which is sort of just very much like him. Like he, he he said no, but he 
we continued the friendship. And so I, I kept coming to the class and we started to get to know each other. And, and then we started talking more seriously. You moved to LA just to do this? I was in LA at the time. I lived in LA from 2007 to 2013. So this is all mm-hmm. happening in Los Angeles. This is a Los Angeles me. Completely different. Why do you think this is a documentary I want to make? Well, I found out that you could take a class with him for $12 a class three times a week in Beverly Hills, just walk in. Mm -hmm. And I just thought it was the funniest, like, I couldn't believe it. And I remember him from being really young. My mom used to watch his show and I remember him really clearly. And I've always thought he was really funny and outrageous, but also like there was clearly something else going on, like a lot Mm. of pain in his humor and like he would cry all the time. And I just like loved that. And so I just thought it would be funny to take the class. And then the class was outrageous. And he would like, you know, always kissing and hugging people and like taking my shirt off. And there's music playing. And it's like, it's all these, all different types of women, like mostly women and, uh, and some gay guys and some straight people, but like you know, like people who are 500 pounds and then people who are like me and then people like it was just a really beautiful space that he created. And so I wanted to do a film about him that was like a rock doc. Like I wanted to do it to music mm. with him. And then we were talking about that and then we put it on hold and then he disappeared. That's literally when it all. That's that's how it came about. And then I was like, well, I guess that's that. And then I heard like a year later that he didn't just disappear from me. He disappeared from everybody, that he wasn't mm-hmm. talking to anybody. I, at first I thought he just wasn't returning my. Mm-hmm. And then I realized that, oh, he wasn't going to his class anymore. And then I real and then he hadn't told anybody. And he was so close oh. to everybody in that class. Like, I've known you for 30 years, kind of close. Like mm-hmm. that kind of, oh, I yeah. saved your life, kind of close. So you guys started reaching out to each other and saying, oh, you haven't heard from him either. You haven't either. I actually heard first from Moro, who was the guy who used to work for him. And he was saying that he didn't know what was going on. And then I started checking it out and nobody knew what was going on to the point where he wasn't talking to like Gigi was the, was the 90 year old woman in his class who mm-hmm. would take it. He, he would drive her to class yeah. and like, and then yeah. just cut her off. Like really like concerning stuff. That was one of the more shocking relationships to me when, when you reported about yeah. that. I'm like, will you cut off somebody like that? She doesn't have a whole mm-hmm. lot of time. She doesn't have time. No, <laughs> you are making a choice. Yeah. That yeah. that yeah. that you've built this relationship with somebody and they don't have much time left and that you are going to say, not only am I ending this friendship, but I'm literally not going to give you an ending to it. Yeah. I'm not going to call you. Yeah. I'm not going to. And I will refuse. She 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 went and knocked on his door and she got sent away. He wouldn't see her. Wow. And so talking to her was a big part of really trying to make people understand, like, I'm not just talking about some guy who doesn't want to be famous anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, we're not just talking about some guy who's just like, you know, no thanks. I'm just going to operate like I'm just I'm retiring. This is somebody who. Mm. had done something drastic and severe. And yeah, that relationship with her was a great, for me, a great way to to illustrate to people just how unusual and scary it was for all these people. Did you feel close to him? It seemed like he was a person who everyone would describe as like, oh, Richard, my best friend. It seemed that way. He definitely wasn't my best friend, for sure. But we had, it's it's really hard to explain we became friends. We became friends in the sense that if I texted him, he would text me right back. But he did that with a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, yeah. he had you at his house. I mean, having someone at your home is is very intimate, not going out to dinner. Yes, many times. And we had dinner and we had meetings and he, we had we had lunches there. And But he had unusual relationships with people. He would just call people, like he would meet somebody, decided they needed help losing weight, reach out to them and then call them every week for the next 10 years. And so it's really hard to explain what friendships even mean to somebody like that because they're he, they're experiencing human connection in a different way. So for me, he was a 
an acquaintance who I was really, who we were, we were sort of building a sort of creative relationship, but also understanding that he's a complicated guy and I'm not, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know the first thing about him in some ways. Were there people in his orbit that you looked at and thought, oh, that is his best friend? Or you're like, you kind of distinguish your relationship, like, or did kind of everybody feel a little bit like- Well, I don't know, because it's also hard because we were sort of getting him at the at the later part of his life, right? Like he was in his late 60s. Mm. And so it's not like when you're when you're that age, friendships are different. Right. Like he, it's not like he was 25 yeah. and he was like out in town every right. night and like he had his own show. And like if you want to be around him, he's mm-hmm. having parties and like there was mm-hmm. that person. But when you're 68 or 67, I think when, when we met, like your circle becomes smaller. And, and so there were definitely the people he was closest to, but I, I don't they're, they're They were more complicated than just friendships. Right. When you were gathering all of this information, because your podcast was so comprehensive, I feel like not a lot of questions went unanswered, except for Mm. the main question. (laughs) But did you just sort of like collect everything or were you like, we need this, we need this? Were you trying to like build a through line? Because to your point before, once you get people talking, it's very easy to kind of get as much information as you need. But did you have a sense? You know how J.J. Abrams said he never knew where Lost was going to go before he made Lost? He was like, let's yeah. figure this out as we go. Was it sort of like that? Or were you very clear of the story you wanted to tell? We were clear about I, I, I wasn't tr- I don't know that I was trying to tell a story. We were sort of we were we were trying to under- figure out what happened. So Mm -hmm. it was an investigation, but it was an emotional investigation. It was investigating not just why would he do this, but like, why does everybody feel so weird about it now? Why do I feel weird about it? Why do the people around him feel so weird about it? Why, what happens when you're abandoned like that? Like, what does friendship mean to a famous person? What does it mean when you're acting as their psychologist in some ways? And like, are you their friend anymore? Or is it more like that you owe them something? Like you can't just abandon people that you're working with on an emotional, mental level. And so it was asking, all those questions. So I, I wasn't trying to tell the story of what had happened. I was trying to figure it out. And the process of making the podcast was just recording that process of us trying to figure it out. And so we were talking to people not so that they could fill in gaps in our story. We were kind of talking to people so that they could sort of help us understand it. And we were really intentional about that. So in that sense, we weren't, there was no ending. We didn't know what was going to happen. And that was the point is because if we had to wait till there was an ending and then you make it, then you really are just recreating a story that isn't really happening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's sort of what happened and you're retelling. But Missing Richard Simmons was what was happening. Like it, it was, we were actually showing people the process. And I, I, a lot of it is uncomfortable, right? You're like knocking on doors and like doing stuff that journalists don't let you always hear. And and so, yeah, we were, it was like recording the the process, yeah. But we talked to anybody who would talk to us. Yeah, that makes so much sense. I discovered the podcast, I think a few months after it came mm-hmm. out. I just was riveted. I, I was like tweeting about it and telling people about it. Do you drop all the episodes at once or was it like a weekly thing? No, it was, I think we dropped two episodes and then it was a week to week, but there's only six episodes. Okay. Like it was a very short process. Right. It, yeah. I asked that question because I was wondering if there's, when you dropped it, did you think maybe he'll listen and reach out? Maybe like this will trigger some kind of response. That was the goal. Well, yeah. Cause he kept saying, Richard, yeah. if you're listening. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's so funny. Cause like <laughs> right now it feels like if you sort of look back on it, it sort of feels like a sh- it could be a shtick, right? It could be like, yeah. 
But that was really the idea that we we sent yeah. him copies of it, like hard copies. Okay. Back then it was on CD, I guess, just so we knew that he was could ha- had the ability to listen to it. I don't even I wasn't even sure if he knew what a podcast was. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, he read his fan mail. It's very possible he listened to every. I'm positive he listened to it. Oh, 100 percent, 100 percent. I mean, his manager said yeah. when I asked him, he said he listened to parts of it. But I mean, I certainly he was certainly aware of it. He certainly listened to parts of it. I I don't know. That was the idea that we were reaching out to him. But also keep in mind, we had no idea it was going to become so big. And so it, it was like this little gesture it felt like we were doing. Mm-hmm. And in retrospect, yeah. and, but, but how it looked was a giant gesture. Like we were saying, hey, are you okay? Like what we were doing, what we felt like we were doing was like, hey, are you okay? Let us know. It's just going to be this weird podcast that a couple thousand people listen to. Like nobody cares about Richard Simmons. It's not in the zeitgeist. Or- but people do. 100%. I, there was always that yeah. possibility. But it never really occurred to us when we were making it that it would become that big. Then in the end, it ended up feeling like we're not just saying, I hope you listen. For me, it felt more like pressure. And that mm-hmm. I didn't like. Mm. And that that was unintentional. Do you know what I mean? Like, it felt like, yeah. hey, Richard, like, you're all over the New York Times. Like, millions of people are listening to this. How are you doing? Like, that was not something that we were in as control of as, as I would have liked. You're never in control of how people respond to it. I actually did yeah. not get that at all. I really oh, mean that. I, I really didn't. And actually, that leads me. Yeah, I didn't either. Yeah. And I, yeah. And I'm not blowing smoke. I'm, you know, I'm a. I'm a cunt, but, um, <laughs> but cause it felt like we care about you. Are you okay? It was like a, it was like a tiptoey, like, Hey, if you want to yeah. talk to us, but that leads me to something else because I, I think I binged it in like a day and a half. It was the mo- one of the most easy listens as I was listening. And as we started researching more, he's like one of the most unproblematic people. He's right up there with Dolly Parton. And Then when I started researching and I read, I I don't want to use the word backlash, but I guess your the criticism was that it was invasive. And I thought, I didn't get that at all. First of all, (laughs) you are a a highly skilled investigative podcaster. You're literally doing your job. And I found that to be very curious. It's like, I don't know. Were you expecting that? Or were you kind of like, I'm just trying to figure out what happened? How did you feel when you read that feedback? I didn't read a lot of it. I read Mm. some of it. I read the bigger ones, the bigger Mm -hmm. feedback, uh, the the ones that were that really went after it. It was frustrating when it was happening, but we were so in the middle of it. And the, people were also saying a lot of really great stuff. Like I like I mean the, the the great stuff that people were saying about Richard it was that was incredibly exciting because he was like this forgotten. He was he's not a and so that the fact that people out part of it was really just trying to, for people to understand how sort of incredible this person is. And the fact yeah. that people were sort yeah. of getting that in a huge way to the point that they were being defensive about him. Right. I was mm. sort of a fascinating thing. The, the flip side is also that like it was kind of a and I'm saying this more in retrospect too. any sort of like public process like that is really hard, really scary. Robin, I'm sure you yeah. I'm sure you are <laughs> familiar with this feeling. Nothing about that. <laughs> yeah. Like like even yeah. even even if you're confident in what you're doing and like you're sure of yourself and you're, you're doing everything really intentionally, like it is very challenging yeah. to go through that process. But nobody was yeah. saying it was bad. No. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Mm. And so that, so people were really engaging with it. A lot of it was people were really engaging with it on the terms that we had set out. Like part of the question of the podcast was how far is too far? How do you ask somebody if they're okay, if they say you don't, that they are, but you know they're not? Like, how do you pursue right. that? And so a lot of people were just sort of really engaging with it. Even if the criticism felt negative, it was, what, what a gift. 
for people to engage with what you're doing instead of ignoring it, like that was the most shocking part in a great way. One of the interesting things, and I'm sure like, you know, the podcast evoked different things and different people. One of the things that evoked in me was like the sense of entitlement, almost like how can you just disappear and not let us know? Mm. Like let us know as if I know him, right? right? And I haven't even frankly thought about Richard Simmons in a year, but I still felt like the sense, and it's because of this like, you know, not existing relationship that we all think we have with people yeah. like who have profiles like this, who have these huge personalities. And uh, we talked about that when we did our episode with Joy Taranto. Are we entitled to anything? Was that, was his 90 year old friend entitled to anything? in any of this, right? Like, it's a really hard question to answer. Where did you land on that? I mean, how do you feel? I'm sure there's going to be anger and resentment from people that he just cut off. Yeah. Because if I feel entitled and I got no reason to feel entitled, then I can't imagine. Yeah. One dynamic that was really clear is that what Richard did in the 40 years that he was a public figure was incredibly, was embrace people who needed help and help a lot of people. And he was incredibly giving with his time and his resources and his influence and his knowledge. But the minute he cut them off, you realize how big that power dynamic difference is, how big the power difference is, and how all of a sudden you realize, oh, he's totally in control of this of this conversation. Mm. I think that's upsetting to to realize with your friends. If you think that he's your friend, and now I'm not talking about myself, I'm talking about the people who took his class for 30 years. So then then you realize, oh, this is a power, this power dynamic is really unfair and is incredibly Mm. harmful to people who are already have issues with self-esteem and building relationships and all that trauma. Now they're questioning the 20 years they've yeah. spent with you. And As like, they should. Was this any of it real? As yeah. they should. But the final answer is, and this is where a lot of the people who criticized it, they're, the final answer is up to the person. You can't, it is not his responsibility to care for anybody but himself. As a human level, people are sort of like, take care of yourself. Don't worry about everybody else. I sort of get that. And so that a lot of that criticism came from people who are sort of absolutists about that feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yet, yeah. Yeah. I think most other people were like, yeah, but... Can we talk about like how fucked up this is anyway? Like, yeah, it, yeah. And, and why it makes us so sad. And like nobody was really doing it out of anger, really. Everybody was just so confused. And there was something that the feeling that that created working on the project was such a specific, unusual mystery that we really couldn't answer. It wasn't like pretending there was a mystery and then like, here's how we would here, here are all the parts of the mystery that would exist if it was really, it was like a real, like, I just still, I mean, I could talk about, I mean, I could literally cancel my meetings and talk about Richard Simmons for the next six hours. Like it's the most confusing, um, beautiful, sad experience that I've had making a thing. I've actually been really consumed by it the past couple weeks, Mm. thinking about somebody that I sort of took for granted. I didn't think negatively of, but Mm -hmm. I would say, oh, Richard Simmons is on Whose Line Is It Anyway? Or Richard Simmons is here. And then it's that thing when he leaves and you're like, I didn't realize I loved him so much. It's kind of like when a famous person dies. Yeah. And you think, oh, man. I'm going to miss the mm-hmm. And it's it's that weird feeling. And yeah, I think, but you you walked that line like so beautifully. I really, really mean that. Like, Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. You made me feel so many things. Also, I don't know if a lot of people talked about it. The double entendre of the title is, because when I first right. started yeah, it, I you. was like, it's about Richard Simmons going missing. And then yeah. I'm like, no, no, no. Yeah. It's no, about, about missing him. Yeah. us missing us him. Missing him. Yeah. So I loved that. You know, something we didn't talk about in our episode very much was his sexuality. And now looking back on a lens of 2023, he really was a pioneer for the LGBTQ community, whether or not that was intentional because it was one of those things that you're like, ah, that funny gay guy. But Mm. he actually never 
spoke about his sexuality. He never spoke about that kind of thing. Mm -mm. Do you think he had romantic love in his life? I know the answer to those things. I wouldn't delve directly into it. Mm -hmm. Mm. And there are a lot of things I know about Richard Simmons that I wouldn't say of course, publicly. Yeah. And, but that was also part of the project. And also part of the funny, it was part of the funny thing about the backlash that everybody's like, you're invading his privacy. I'm like, dude, if I wanted to invade his privacy, like right. I could drop <laughs> 10 fucking barn Stuff burners on you right now. Yeah. yeah. I guess I'll answer like this. I, I certainly think he was playing, I mean, anybody could see he was playing with gender and playing with mm-hmm. sexuality and playing mm-hmm. with bisexuality and, play, and playing with like pushing it, you know, in terms of like being overly sexual in weird circumstances. And just yeah. like, he, he really was like juggling that. I mean, he would come to the class dressed like Medusa and then he would come to class dressed like a cowboy. And then he would, so it was always this sort of drag performance. I think he used to say this. I have to, I, I'm, I'm not remember the exact, he used to say something like, I'm not for, I'm not right for one person. I'm right for a lot of people. I think what filled him up and I think the relationships he had with all the people he helped were more than he could handle. Mm-hmm. And intimate in a way that a lot of people wouldn't understand, but you know, in a lot of ways more intimate than than certain types of sexual relationships. And so mm-hmm. I, I think that he had a lot of human relationships, but they definitely were not in the pattern that most people are used to. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. it is interesting that he never... Not that he owes us that, but he never came out. But there might not be any coming out to do because, and it's I, it's so mm-hmm. interesting. Like he might not, right? In, in, yeah, from like 1970s. When you yeah. look at the 1970s, you're like, oh, here's a closet of gay guy that nobody's saying is gay, but we, we clearly know he's gay, and everybody everybody's really guessing, right? But mm-hmm. that's like back then, like people barely believed in bisexuality, right. right? Like, and so like that that bisexuality was always just a thing that gay people said when they wanted to like half come out of the closet. Yes, yes. And and he was born into a very religious household, and 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 you know he really believed it, and and so there's all that in his background. But I think if he were born today, or his that he would become famous now instead of 50 years ago, I think the story would be completely different about mm. why I don't think he, I, I love the fact that if he, if there was a reason for him to come out that he didn't, I think that is so fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. And that was a mainstream celebrity by doing all these outrageous gender bending things. And, and I just think the fact that he never verbalized it, I just think is, it just, I love it. I mean, I feel like he was screaming it totally. without articulating it. But what was fascinating to me, what's fascinating to me about him and his ability to do this for decades at a time when it would have been much harder to just yeah. come out is that it was so non-threatening and no, like n- nobody from the left to the right, like nobody took offense at it. Like he was able to do the work that was meaningful without leaving that part of him behind. But his morality was also quite clear. Like uh, he, he had very, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, not right wing. He, he had very middle American values of helping mm. people, helping women, helping yeah, yeah. housewives, helping like, so yeah, he, he, on the one hand, he did have this sort of outrageous side that feels very sort of cosmopolitan, urban and sexual. But on the other hand, he was quite straight ahead in terms of like, you know, he was on soap operas and like mm-hmm. he had a he had a daytime talk show. Like he was very he was more like Ellen before Ellen was in a certain in a certain type of way that mm-hmm. the sexuality part really just fell to the wayside because there was just a lot more going on. Mm-hmm. In terms of where you are and how much you know about Richard and mm-hmm. then now seeing how much the podcast meant to so many people mm-hmm. and now you're so successful in the podcast world, is there anything you would do differently? Is there anything you would add or anything you regret doing on the podcast? I'm not a big regretter. I like that. Good. Yeah. <laughs> I like, I, it's done. If it's done, like I might've regretted it in the moment, but like, because you're just like, <laughs> oh, like that's, 
things things don't always yeah. people don't things don't always land the way you want them to. And sure. it's not it's not in your control. And so but I'm very I feel like I've become that was a great trial by fire for me to learn how to just like this is this how people react to it is not for me. That's for you. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. That's not that's not a you problem. Yeah. And it's not I just don't know. I, I don't know what to do that. I would love to talk I love to talk about people who disagree with it. But at some point I can't I, I want it to land a certain way. Or sometimes if I'm making jokes, like sometimes I'll make a joke that offends people or something like like I, I never want to really hurt people. I just kinda wanna like needle them a little bit. Rabia likes to offend people. The that's oh, her goal. She likes to offend people, right, Rabia? Do you like to offend people? There's never a time that I record with Ellen that I, I'm always braced. I'm always braced for what she's going to yeah. come out with <laughs> me today. And then that was it. That was it right there. That's it. That was her attack today. That was today. mild. That was mild. <laughs> it was mild today. I thought Ellen's going to be like, why are you wearing makeup, Rabia? I mean, I was totally mentally prepared. You had a good zinger the other day. We were we were texting. We had an interview with Michael Cassidy, who's an actor. He was lovely and great. And he just joined Instagram and he followed us both back. And in in real time. Yeah. And, and Rabia said, look who uh, followed me. And I said, yeah, Rabia, he followed all of us. And she said, oh, I'm sorry. I just couldn't see past all the blue check marks because she's <laughs> verified on Instagram and I'm not. So it was it was a good thing. <laughs> that is a good thing. It, it was good. I'm never not going to let her forget that. The thing I do love about you, Rabia, is I I, I want to be more like you and and like Dan. I You know, I get I get so emotional. You know, you you put something out there and yeah. you said this is my opinion and it's very much that's a you thing. I love that about you. Yeah. I, I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> we couldn't do the work. We couldn't do the work if you're constantly bogged down in the criticism. I could be like, I could still be fighting with people who are, are angry about cereal from eight yeah. years ago and I would have accomplished yeah. nothing. You know what I mean? And when, and when I realized and I spent maybe after cereal came out, I spent six months, the first six months trying to respond to wow. cri- criticism, trying to correct the record, trying to, I got sick. Yeah. I was like so physically ill. I, it was the worst time ever. And I'm like, I literally spent six months and I couldn't get my work done. I couldn't take care of my family, just being trolled mm-hmm. by trolls. And, and ever since then, I'm like, oh no, they won because they got me to stop doing mm-hmm. my work. So I, Ellen, we had a bad experience, not a bad, an interesting, mm-hmm. a great experience actually with our first episode with Scott Peterson. Yeah. <laughs> but it's happening. I, I will also say that I, I would imagine yeah. that whatever you're feeling, you feel, you probably feel like 50 times more than I do because I, I really do. I have sometimes, I really am shocked at, at the sort of trolling that women get that, that men don't. Like that is just a basic. In, entire face. Facebook group was established yeah. to destroy yeah, Ellen yeah. and I basically from from the first week of yeah. our podcast launch. So that's what we're dealing with. Yeah. But then <laughs> I go let join me ask you. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, really? Interesting. Oh, they're crazy. They're crazy. And, you know, they're I mean, they were inviting other trolls and they were like trying to put our, our private information out there. And I think they put Ellen's daughter's wow. information wow. out there. Like, yeah, well. they're crazy because we did. A yeah. Podcast. It's yeah. just a podcast. Just don't listen. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. Dan, I wanted to ask you if anybody from Richard's team, because he does have a team, he's got the manager and then he has Teresa and he has reached out to you while you were doing the reporting and said, don't do this. He doesn't want you to do this. No, which was, which was, and we were really intentional about asking. I mean, I asked his manager point Mm -hmm. point blank. I said, if there's something happening that Mm -hmm. we're like walking into like that, he's got some sort of like catastrophic medical diagnosis or Mm -hmm. that he's like lost Mm -hmm. an arm or like just something's happening that that is not manageable. And he's like, no, nothing's, he, we, Really was so insistent. Like, there's nothing. He's fine. He's just home. He's fine. We were really intentional going into it, and that that was part of what gave us license. Is that mm-hmm. is that we we really did give them give them the chance to 
to just really tell us what's just really tell us what's going on. Like I will turn the microphone on, I'll tell what's going on, and then I'll stop if it's not. Yeah. And they, they right and shut it down. They, they could have shut, shut it down. down, and they didn't. Yeah, yeah. I, and I, I get that. Again, That's it was good. it was very respectful. I feel like you went in so caring and concerned. And I don't know if it's the sound of your voice that sounds so like friendly and kind, because that, mm. that's why I asked you about mm. when people called it invasive. I said, mm. I just I, I felt like this was just like a, a good friend who was worried. So I'm sure you've gotten this question before, but <laughs> I, for my brain and I'm sure our listeners, do you think we'll ever see him again? Oh, um, yeah, you do. <laughs> kind of. I don't know that he would be able to resist it. <laughs> really? I, I was thinking the yeah. same thing, too. I'm like, there'll be a point at which in his own terms, maybe in a very different totally. version. Of I think it'll be a himself. different version of Richard. Yeah, I don't I yeah. don't think it'll be yeah. like him teaching an exercise class. But right. I, I, I think yeah. um, I don't think we've I, I, I think he would come back. Wow. I, 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 in some way, I think he'll do an interview or something or he'll talk to people. Oh, that, I hope it's mm. you. I hope it's not you. I, hope I don't it's think you, it'll not be me. Diane Sawyer. <laughs> I don't think it'll be, oh, I know. I do think he'll do something really normy, like like just do like the Today Show or something, which yeah. is so boring. Uh, but I also, like if I were Richard, I don't know that I would do it with me either. Like Richard is really headstrong. And 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 I think, I, do, I think it would be pretty hard for him to shake the fact that I started that conversation and that and that him talking to me would be him responding to a scenario that I set up. He wants to be in mm. control. Mm. And so That's I don't Oh, that was actually the question I was asking you. Do you think Richard Simmons is in control? In control of his life? Yeah. Because that's a big, that was the big question for us, right? Like, is he being coerced in some way? Is he being held hostage? But do you think he's in control? Yeah, I think he's in control. I think he's home yeah. and safe as, as, as much as I could ever know. You know, I it, you, it's really hard to speak about how the elaborate personal dynamics that we're involved in sort of restrict or increase our level of control, especially at that age when you're a yeah, senior. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I think he's in control and he's fine. That's what I have to go on. Like, I can't, I can't, I can't, there's no, I can't get any more than yeah. that from what I hear. Yeah. Obviously, Rabia experiences, you know, she has so much is class. I don't mean to sound dramatic, but classified information. There's things that you can't share. It's not classified. It's the stuff that I don't want to. It's none of it's nobody's business, including my own. Like, and it, which is a weird thing about sort of investigating stuff is that you find out stuff that really isn't your business. Right. And so, and so you just sort of put it in the not my business file. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, sorry. What were you going to say? Is there no, I was, you know, because you did, you said you have so many secrets and things that aren't anybody's sure. business. And I totally respect that. Is there anything that you know, you don't have to share, but is there anything that you know yeah. that would satiate people's curiosity? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I oh. love that. <laughs> That's juicy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there's a That's couple of things juicy. that I, that I would have to investigate them more to sort of, to, to create the sort of journalists, like two sources and a third and like that sort of thing. But yeah, I think, I think that there are, are other layers to the story that are <laughs> cool. super fucking interesting. Yeah, totally. So, so is that rock doc going to happen or? Could the podcast become a documentary? Did you guys film it? I've been asked. I don't have anything more to say about Richard Simmons. Uh, and, and not, I don't have anything more to say about Richard Simmons that that wouldn't just be asking the same 
questions again. And mm-hmm. that feels invasive Good to point. me. Good point, yeah. It, which is the funny, like mm-hmm. I, I asked I asked once, it was a really specific project. We have six episodes. We're not going to go longer than that. If you want to talk to us, great. If not, we've told what we think is an incredible story about you and all the issues around it. But I think if you if I were to do it again without sort of new information and just to keep reinvestigating this guy, right. that I feel yeah. like is too much. Mm-hmm. It's not like the Adnan thing where like, like you have the case against Adnan, you know, Saeed by, mm-hmm. behind you. Like it made sense to keep going on. That. There's more questions. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, the, 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 there's more questions and there's stuff to get done. And there's like things in the balance that are yeah. bigger than just like yeah. my friendship. Like yeah. it's. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. There's, there's just not the imperative. Um, so, but we I, we sold it as a scripted show to Amazon, uh, but it, it never, by the time we finished the script. Who was, would um, play Richard Simmons? Uh, God. Tell, so who are many. your top three? Oh, I don't know now. Um, it was it was so long. I mean, now it was. We, I mean, we were developing this like five years ago. I'm trying to think, Rabia. Who would play Richard Simmons? Do you think? I mean, there, you could, there's so many different ways to go. Like Matthew mm-hmm. McConaughey. <laughs> like, don't go just like super campy. Like, who would who would really yeah. find something to explore in that? That's that's what I like to think. Well, about. because yeah. you would need an actor yeah. that ran the gamut of yeah. his persona and then his his deep sadness or troubles or whatever. That wow, I think Joey, Joey would, be great. would be great. I was thinking that. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> Joey is my my partner from my other podcast. He's he was we oh, were on right Broadway on. together, but he oh, would be right great. On. That's such, I never thought uh, of that. Uh, who, uh, let's see. Uh, jo- Jonah Hill came up once, um, which I thought would be hmm. very interesting. Yeah, People who are just sort of, people mm. who have that sort of depth and sort of weirdness about them. Richard is a weird dude. Like, to be in his presence, you, it's not just the straight ahead sort of like, he's just an incredibly outrageous person. We were just talking about this guy the other day, uh, Giovanni Ribisi. Oh my I God, I see Giovanni yes, that would be yeah, amazing. Also, there you go. I solved it. Not to bring down the room, but at a time, Robin Williams. Yes. Oh, yeah. Very similar people. Yeah. Very similar, very similar sense of humor. Yeah. Yeah. And I would imagine also very similar to being in a room with, like they're really hard to corral. Being in a room with Richard Simmons alone is Mm. not easy. It's not easy. Oh, is, he would go, yeah. he, the left turns, you know, when There's he was no on Howard Yeah, Stern. you're really at his mercy. Yeah. You, you're probably emotionally completely spent by the time you spent some time with him, right? Like, it's got to be very draining. The funny thing is, he's not my, he's not my, t- he tends to not really be my type of person. Like, mm-hmm. it's not, yeah, I, it, it is yeah. hard to spend time around him. Uh, it's also incredibly lovely and like, it fills you up and like, he's just got. Well, that's my question. Is it energizing or is it draining? It's both. It's energizing for a, for an hour and a half class. It, dinner, it can be draining. Wow. But that's just also me because me, I, I'm not a huge people person. Like I, I don't, right. like I get to, I want to go home and walk my dog. Like right. at some point, like I, right. I don't need to be around that energy for that long. <laughs> yeah. Before you go, Dan, which I'm so, so grateful you're here. It really just means a oh, lot. Just, um, Thank you so much. We, our listeners, if they hadn't listened to Missing, they have listened now. and They have loved this coverage. You've made us remember Richard again and and remember how much we love him He's really special. He's really special. Yes. In researching you before I reached out, I love how diversified your work is. Just in, it, you, you span a lot of genres. Mm. And then you, seems like you fell into podcasting and you're so good at it. But what is your favorite genre to work in? Because does podcasting just come naturally or do you really love it? I really love podcasting. I mean, I, I like nonfiction. And so um, I... You know, I, I like documentary. Uh, I w- I w- I'm definitely looking to make another feature again, but you know, it needs to it needs to um, 
do the right thing. And it takes years to develop those things. And so that process is always happening. But podcasting for me is, is, is really similar. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just, um, I, yeah, I, I mean, it, it, I never could have predicted it. It wasn't something I was looking for. I didn't want to make a podcast. That's not, that was not the goal, but it just, I don't know, especially at, you know, right now, now I'm like 50. And so like it, it, it it's a great sort of like second half of your career sort of thing to do something that was different mm-hmm. than before. Mm-hmm. And I just, it suits me to be able to, to sit down and talk to people about specific things. They definitely like for, for somebody who's not an introvert, but like, again, like I'm not a huge party person. Like they become your relationships. Like mm-hmm. I think about these people, I talk yeah. to you and and then you're in my head and I'm editing the our conversation and, and people make me think. And so I really like that process. Um, I really like it. I love it. I'll, I'll keep doing it as long as people let me. Oh, I'm loving 912. Oh, good. I loved making it. It was really intense. Really engrossed. We can all as podcasters agree that we love being able to do it all from yeah, home. Yeah, I love not home. wearing pants to work. <laughs> it's kind of my favorite thing. Just not wearing I miss, anything. I, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, she's not wearing anything. That's just like paper. It's, yeah. Totally. <laughs> totally. You're like in one of those like things when you go to like an old west town and then like, you put your head in the big board. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. But you've got like a, a cow lady. Yeah. I'm only wearing a scarf <laughs> and nothing else. <laughs> An enormous <laughs> scarf. Yeah. <laughs> can you brag about yourself for a little bit and tell our listeners where where they can find you and what they're doing and what they can download and how we can support you? Yeah, I'm working on my next podcast. Uh, always working on the next one. Yay. Are we allowed to know no. any bit of it? <laughs> You're not. Oh, but it's, yeah, that's how it's, it is. It's really challenging. It's yeah. It's not uncontroversial. I can't figure it out for the life of me in a good way. All the mm. things I may I, I want to make. Like if I feel like I can't figure it out, like it's that is like a good sign. Like I really am just perplexed by yeah. it. When will it come out? I think at the beginning of the year. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have surviving y2k yeah and then yeah Uh, so i mean this is my sixth podcast sixth podcast that i'm working on now and and i have a deal at pineapple street studio so i'll keep making series with them but i had missing richard simmons surviving y2k running from cops and then i did the line for apple so good i did the line for apple about the eddie gallagher case if you like war crimes which i fucking loved working in that world uh, that was amazing. Like okay. talking to all those Navy SEALs and stuff was fascinating. And then nine twelve after that. So yeah, pretty varied. Yeah. But I like the li- I like limited run. I like I like that that format. Yeah, it's very um, cool. Yeah. I know you're not big on social media, but where no. can people connect with you? Uh, you can do Instagram, Dan Taberski, or or Twitter, D Taberski. Thank you so much for returning my message. I sort of threw out this blanket message yeah, and I said, we, we like you. Will you come talk to us? No, it's, the, it's, it's so lovely. Uh, it's, it's so nice to talk about it. I like to talk about it. I was like, there's no way he's going to yeah. do it. I love talking to Richard Simmons. <laughs> everybody's always like, is there anything I can ask? I mean, everybody's afraid. I, I like the challenging questions around it. I like, like, mm-hmm. I just think it, it was so, it was just such an interesting event. I just, it was such an interesting event in my life mm-hmm. that it, mm-hmm. it Every once in a while to go back and talk about it is kind of fun. I love it. Well, thank mm-hmm. you so much for taking you the time uh, to, to speak with us. And if My anything pleasure. else comes up, please let us know. I will. I'll let you know when the yeah. next one's just, going. Just give us a call if he reaches out and let him know he can talk okay, to us. Okay, so I'll just text you guys first and then. Yeah. Just text me when I can pick up my quilt because I'm really excited. Just something I can frame in my house. That is really, really cool. Have you ever thought of doing it for charity or 
Do you? Is I would that, do it for charity. Nobody's ever asked. I just I would uh, love to do some kind of a fundraiser for charity. I think I, that would that would be really cool. Our our listeners are very very generous, and, and I think that'd be a great thing to do. I, I I love making them. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. At this point, I it, I I don't I don't sell them or try to make money off them just because it's. Um, I don't. I don't. I don't want to turn it into a business. Yeah, uh, yeah. I want to just keep it art for mm-hmm. as long as possible. But then once podcasting mm-hmm. falls through, maybe quilts will be. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of money plans. in quilts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're sitting totally. on a gold mine. Ah. Well, <laughs> thank you to Dan Taberski. Thank you if again. you have not listened to Missing Richard Simmons, you are missing out. It is such an easy, easy listen, and please support so all of good. his other projects. And uh, we hope to see you soon, Dan. Thanks. Right on. Good talking to you. Alrighty. Bye, everybody. I want you to always remember how important you are to me and always remember how many people truly love you. Every time you exercise, you're saying, I love you to your body. And every time you eat a healthy meal, you're adding an extra day to your life. Before you go to bed at night, Count your blessings, because you have many. And pray for those who have not been blessed on this earth. Say your prayers every night. And simply ask for another day on this earth. Thank you.